Welcome to another edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I am caddy of the show, Armando Salguero, star of the show, Adam Beasley, during our long and arduous prep session, said to me, don't they have hockey in Cuba? (laughs) And I was like, um... No, we we don't. Why are you picking on my Cubanness, Adam Beasley? When's, how many hockey games have you attended in your life, Armando? Uh, about a dozen. Uh, ten of those probably working for the mighty Miami Herald. <laughs> we bring this up because as we tape this on Tuesday afternoon, I'm, I am scurrying to get together the podcast and then my thoughts because I'm going to head to the BB&T Center for game two of Panthers Lightning, where I'll be moonlighting as a uh, as a hockey reporter. And uh, although I will do a bad facsimile thereof, I'm excited. I think it's fun. Playoff hockey is a lot of fun. And we were joking before the show began about how much fun it would be to have a Dolphins playoff run. It would be uh, it would be nice. Um, playoff hockey is so much better than regular season. Oh, without question, and it's so, and it's doubly much as much fun in person as it is on television. Hockey is a sport that you need to be there. I think football is becoming more and more a television product, but hockey, because of the the intimacy of the rink, of the the fast moving action, you don't really get a true sense of how big and athletic. I would make the argument, Armando, that hockey players are the most most physically skilled and gifted among the most physically skilled and gifted athletes on the planet because they're doing what they're doing on skates, which is just absolutely mind boggling to me. But yeah, I mean, in person is the way to do it. And I'm really looking forward to the game tonight. Uh, my neighbor is a hockey or a retired hockey player lives right next door. Haven't oh, seen wow. him in, in over a year because he's Canadian. And of course he's not allowed in the country. <laughs> he's not allowed out of Canada. Since uh, since COVID hit, so haven't seen him in a year, but you know, I, I know that he's still alive, still good. All is so. Well. What you're what you're saying then is when Mrs. Beasley kicks me to the curb, I have a place to stay. Uh, well, if you break into the big hockey player's house, <laughs> yes, uh, of course. You know what happens if he happens to show up? You're becoming Goldilocks, and he's one of the <laughs> little bears. You ever seen the movie Slapshot? I, the, I did uh, not. Yeah, well, I would be uh, uh, one of the brothers. He'd be one of them, and they, they would. Uh, it would be sport making my face into roast beef. I think. So, what is it going to take for the Miami Dolphins? Let's do the exercise. What is it going to take for the Miami Dolphins to join their three hundred five brethren, nine five four, whatever, uh, and get into the playoffs for the first time under Brian Flores? Oh, that's a fun segue. Uh, well, it's a 17-game season this year, so 10-6 and six didn't get it done last year, so you'd have to think 11-6 and six with the 17-game season would be the floor, right? You would, you would probably need, t- at the very least, 10 games and probably 11 to get in. Um, are, they, are they better than they were last year, I guess, is the question. And, and of course, the answer is it all depends on Tua. If, if Tua takes the next step, which we heard, a lot of people say this week, including Brian Flores on a local radio station, that he is taking that year two leap. Then I think they have a real chance because their schedule, while you know there's a fair amount of travel because they're going to London, isn't that completely onerous. Um, they you know they have uh, they, they have some soft spots in that schedule, and I think the talent overall is better than it was last year. 
you think the talent is better overall than it was last year? Let me, I'm not as smart as you. I have to actually think about this to make sure Mm -hmm. that, that I agree. Uh, um, uh, No, I don't think Mm. it is. Because? Uh, uh, Well, because I'm not sure because I haven't seen these guys actually do anything. You know, the idea that they got Jalen Waddle and it's going to be great. I haven't seen Jalen Waddle practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me see. Uh, those, like- those those social media clips that the Dolphins put out of him um, breaking in, <laughs> running routes against air, and uh, you know, coaching assistants didn't didn't convince you that he's the real deal. <laughs> well, I, look, I am sure that he is going to show a lot of talent, but I'd actually like to see it <laughs> before I make this grand pronouncement. Uh, from up up on high that, you know, that, that, that it's going to be awesome because mm-hmm. a lot of times people that say things are going to be awesome uh, in, what is it, uh, May, mm-hmm. end up in December going, uh, yeah, not that good. This isn't good. And I have personally lived too many off-season championships that turned into regular season disappointments. So I'm kind of, forgive me if I'm a little, you know, realistic about the whole situation. No, I, I got that. I, I would say this, and this is the reason why I think they're better. Because um, by and large, particularly on offense, everybody's back uh, and they added. Now, at wide receiver, everybody's back and they added, you mentioned Jalen Waddell. Um, they, they added a, an absolutely speedy wide receiver. And Will Fuller, uh, they're getting back Alan Herbs and Albert Wilson, who opted out last year. And I don't think all these guys are going to make the team, obviously. But the, the core they had last year at wide receiver is all back, and they upgraded, in my opinion. Same with tight end. Everybody's back from last year at tight end, and they drafted a dude in the third round. Offensive line, I mean, it depends on how much you value Eric Flowers. The team clearly did not value Eric Flowers because they gave him away for – not only gave him away for a bag of donuts, but they, they paid for most of the donuts in the bag. <laughs> so uh, I would say at the very least, offensive line's a push, and it better be better with the investment they, they made in it. Um, so it comes, I mean, running back, everybody's back, and and they, they've added, and incrementally added. Um, I don't know if Malcolm Brown's going to be a difference maker. I don't think he will be, but I don't think they're worse than they were last year. So the only way the offense is not better than it was last year is if Tua doesn't take the next step and and play consistently to the level that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick did in 2020. That's their gamble, right? Their gamble is that Tua Tonga Bailoa in 2021 is going to be at least as good as Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2020. Is Solomon Kinley going to be a better left guard than Eric Flowers? Well, yeah, he better. No, no, he, no, be- no, no. he better be. <laughs> Not about he better be. Is he going to, in fact, be? Do we know well, this? Yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, Eric Flowers was playing at a Hall of Fame level last year, so it wouldn't take much to be just as good as him, if not better. Well, was he as good as Eric Flowers last year? Let's put it that way. At times. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was also a rookie that had like a week to get ready for the season, too. So I mean I, I'm, I'm going to give I'm going to give the offensive linemen those rookies a little bit of slack. I'm going to come a little bit of slack. And again, yeah. we get to, if we get to midseason and they they are the same guys they were last year, 
then the slack is gone. Is but, Matt Skura going to be better than Ted Karras? Sure, why not? Ted Karras was okay last year. He wasn't great. He was. I mean, that's the thing is that they 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 got rid of B B minus players and replaced them with cheaper B B minus players and who have the potential of being better than B B minus players if Solomon Kinley takes the next step. That's why we're projecting. It's so hard with these young guys because we we, we want to crush them as rookies, and I'm as guilty of it as anyone else. And, and then not think that there's room for growth. There's definitely room for growth. We just don't have that guarantee that there'll be growth, right? We just don't know for certain. Yeah, I don't want to crush them as rookies. I, uh, you know, I want to watch and see and decide. Uh, and forgive me for being on the fence. I'm very comfortable here on the fence. I got to <laughs> before. The, Take a stand, man. Take a stand. I got stand. a cushion before the, the show began. And you know what? I can't take a stand because, again, the, uh, my eyes, I need eyes on. And when we get eyes on, we'll have eyes on. Um, I, you know, God bless Brian Flores. He's talking about uh, these guys being this and being that and, and, and Tua doing this and that and being better. Uh, and that's great. Except that he's saying all this and it's all a projection and what's he supposed to say? So I think I, I owe the, the listeners and the people that read me and the, an opinion based on an actual, I don't know, a practice maybe? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, a game? A preseason game? Uh, a, a repetition? Something that other than what they did at Alabama or Notre Dame or, uh, you know, Boston College or even – look, if you get Mario Cristobal on the phone like I did last week, he will make you believe <laughs> I know that Javon Holland is the next Ed Reed, okay? Mm-hmm. He will make you believe that – I mean, I, I left that phone conversation thinking, holy crap – they got this, you know, top 10 pick in the second round. And then, you know. Logic <laughs> takes over. The, and then, <laughs> then the conversation, the happiness wears out, and you're back to, okay, now let's see what it looks like when he's on the field. And my experience has been it's never as good as they say, and it's never as bad as as anyone thinks it might be. It's going to be somewhere in between, and uh, the in-between is what will de- determine if they're the Heat and the Panthers or they're the Dolphins. Miami, the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Here, here's here's why I'm optimistic. And, again, this could be, you know, drink, uh, you know drinking the Kool-Aid and all that. Uh, and I'm, I'm on the record saying that I've, I've been wrong many times before. But the, the Dolphins, they, they didn't make these choices in a vacuum, right? They didn't go out and draft these guys in a vacuum. They didn't go out and acquire a DJ Fluker right before the draft in a vacuum. They did that knowing what the composition of their roster was in 2020. And they knew the composition of their roster in 2020 wasn't good enough. And so, in a way, they're betting their, their careers in a way and saying, Tua Tungabailoa is going to, be, going to have a better career than uh, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Matt Jones. Because the Dolphins could have gotten any one of those three guys if they had stayed at number three, right? 
And and they're saying that Solomon Kinley is going to be a better left guard than Eric Flowers at a fraction of the price. And that they have three really good options to upgrade over Robert Hunt at right tackle. And Robert Hunt's going to be a fine right guard. They're saying that we don't need Bob McCain because the two young guys we drafted the last two years will do just as good of a job, if not better, for less money. I'm, we're, we're glad we got Kyle Van Noy off our books because it allowed us to get Benardrick McKinney. And we went out and we got help in our front seven in a various different ways. Um, that, that's what they're saying. And to me, they know their roster better than we do. I mean, we, we study them pretty closely. We watch them all the time. But they, when they watch the film, they know what they're looking at more than we do. And they made the decision that that those guys were, were progress stoppers and they were part of the reason the Dolphins didn't get to that 11th win that would have gotten them in the playoffs last year. So to me, that's why I'm optimistic, is that none of the guys that they've gotten rid of are difference makers. And they're replacing them with guys who, at the very least, can replace them, and if not, have the potential, as you mentioned with Javon Holland's situation, to be a really good player and an upgrade over Bob McKean. Maybe not day one, but perhaps day, you know, 50, day 80, you know, you get late in the season and he's starting to feel his oats a little bit, maybe he is that guy. So um, that's why I am bullish, because none of the guys that they've gotten rid of, aside from Fitzpatrick, and that's a conversation for, for a completely different day, but none of the other guys that they've gotten rid of really contributed to them winning games last year. And so if you can if you can upgrade over them or at the very least replace them at a much less cost, that's good business. Right, except that, you know, they've done this exercise every year since 1990 when I've been on the beat, mm-hmm. and I'm still waiting for that Super Bowl because I don't know of any year that I've covered this team where the team said, we got worse. We went out and made all these changes to suck. <laughs> uh, of course, they made changes, and of course, they did it with the idea of improvement in mind. But the thing is, it doesn't always work. You know, last year, they signed uh, Howard. What was the guy's name? Jordan Howard? Mm-hmm. Uh, with the idea that he'd be a starter at running back. That didn't work. They got the idea of signing, uh, uh, who was it, Kyle Van Noy with he's going to be a leader on defense and be a versatile linebacker and yada, yada, yada. And one year later, they're out of here. They hired, uh, who was it, Josh, what was his the first offensive coordinator's name? Chad uh, O'Shea. And they replaced him with Chan Gailey, thinking Chan Gailey was going to be better. Was he? <laughs> so the idea of, well, we made a change, so it's going to be better? I No. I, no. I, let's see. Don't tell me. Show me. Uh, and, well, and sometimes it does happen. Sometimes yeah. there is improvement. And I hope that we see it. But I want to see it. I'm sorry. Where I'm more encouraged is, is the, the value, I think, is better. That I mean, at the time the contract was given to Van Noy, $13 million a year seemed high. <laughs> I don't think there was a single contract they've handed out uh, since then that has been, wow, that's that's bad value. And And the fact that they have guys that have, you know, they're going to play young players now that they believe are ascending players. 
again, they've, they've, they've seen these practices. They've been in the, the meeting rooms with these young guys for a year now, some of them two years. Um, I can't imagine, again, mistakes are made, but I can't imagine that their, their, their approach was, uh, we're going to keep our fingers crossed. I, feel, I have a few, they have a pretty good idea of what they have in a lot of these guys, uh, and maybe some of it is projecting into year two, but they're projecting with a level of confidence and a level of information that we don't have. And so that, that to me is why I'm encouraged that they're not spending dumb money this year. They didn't have a lot of dumb money to spend, but uh, I mean, there's only a handful of those contracts left on the books that are out of whack. Uh, Byron Jones is probably one of them. We'll see if he has a bounce back season this year. Uh, but by and large, the, the, there's, there's solid value on your roster. And then all that being said, if you get the quarterback right, you're winning. And if you don't, you're not. I mean, it's, 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 it's really a, it sounds simplistic, but it's true that if, if Tua plays like the guy they think he is, awesome. We're, 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 we're getting ready for the playoffs in January. And if he isn't, they're looking for a new quarterback in 2022 if it's this, this group of people. I mean, if it's, if, if, if it's all the individuals involved coming back next year, which, I mean, if, if you get the quarterback wrong and you miss the playoffs three straight years, there will be some, some sort of changes. We just don't know how drastic. You're absolutely right. They have information that we don't. But at the point where they open up the practices at training camp, they don't have any information that we don't. And so uh, it's going to be easy to tell. It's as simple as that. Uh, you know, Tua Tungavailoa last year as a rookie, with the exception of the Arizona game, where he was a baller, mm-hmm. uh, I thought after that game, oh, my gosh, this guy is going to be studly. And I didn't see that player again the rest of the year, possibly because there was injuries, possibly for other reasons involving other people. But for the most part, aside from that game, the quarterback that I saw on the field for the Miami Dolphins was the quarterback I saw practicing in training camp and not a whole lot better. Yeah, the second half, the second half of the Chiefs game was pretty impressive, too. I mean, he, he, you mean he, when the Chiefs were like, we're so far ahead, we're going to play soft and, you know, just. They almost, they almost the blew game. it, though. They, they almost led to it, get back in the game. But, yes, yeah. I mean, it was. I, I, I don't put as much stock into that as I do the Arizona game, certainly. Uh, but he can do it. He can make those throws. Um, when we get back, I'm going to ask you, and uh, I think even more important questions, not can he, but will he? And he does he have the confidence to do so? with this new uh, co-offensive coordinator situation. We'll get your thoughts on that when we return. One. So, Armando, this week we got for the first time to talk to Dolphins veterans since December of uh, 2020. And one of those veterans we spoke to was Miles Gaskin, who has to enter at least OTAs and probably training camp as RB1 for the Dolphins. He was their most productive running back last year, and he's going to probably – be the number the top of the depth chart to at least begin this process. He said something to me that was interesting. He was asked about the playbook, and his answer was, "It's much different than it was last year." When you hear that, what does that mean? <laughs> oh God, um, it's curious. It really is curious because I thought that the idea of keeping Eric Studsville and George Godsey as the co-coordinators 
was in part to keep the offense pretty much the same. Not the same. Obviously, it's going to be their interpretation of it. But sort of in the same family, let's put it that way, so that Tua, as the quarterback, wouldn't have to start all over again. Like, say, Justin Herbert is starting all over again. And Tua has started all over again, I think, four different times, three times at Alabama. And so the idea was let's keep some continuity so that he doesn't have to learn a brand new system all over again so that it becomes more instinct playing for him rather than, you know, I got to think about it. I've got to do my pre-snap reads and then we'll play. No, it's we call a play. I already know what I'm likely to do. Once I see it pre-snap, I absolutely know. And then once we snap the ball, it's just confirmation and not just react instead of have to think about it. And so if what Miles Gaskin said is correct, that it's totally different, then what the heck? What, <laughs> what, what was the point? Well, right. Well, the point was Chan didn't want to come back. <laughs> I mean, that was part of it. He resigned the job. So I, I think that was certainly a factor. Um, and, and also, we don't know for certain how their search went. It's possible that they, we, I mean, Brian Flores hasn't made us privy to uh, the ins and outs of his hiring process, but they, they conducted a search. They talked to other people, and a lot of those other people either got promotions internally or took other jobs. So we don't know if they flat said no to any offers. That has never been reported, but it's entirely possible that this was the Dolphins making the best of a not perfect search. I mean, we don't know for sure. Your, uh, your mind is way sharper than mine. Has Brian Flores not said that one of the reasons that they went the way that they went was to uh, keep the familiarity in line for Tua? Has he not said that? I think it was more along the lines of we really think this is the way to go. We have faith in our guys, and both these guys are really sharp, and they work well together. That was the explanation that we had gotten. I don't, I don't think. Look, if it, honestly, if if George Godsey and Eric Studensville were the were the plan all along, why well, have a search? Well, right? you gotta have a search, kind of, you know. They, do you? They didn't for Jan Gailey. I mean, that <laughs> was. That they had a search for Chad Gailey. I think they had it in December of 2019. <laughs> that's, that's the difference there. We just didn't know that there was a search going on. And, oh, by the way, neither did Chad O'Shea. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick knew. That's the question. Did did, did, did Fitz in mid-December say, hey, can O'Shea and I got somebody waiting for you? I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> well, we don't have – this is that's pure speculation. But what we do know is this, that it took them a long time to name that hire. And even though they they knew for weeks before they made it official, uh, they, you know, they still conducted a real search. And they went to the Senior Bowl with still some question marks as to who their coordinator was going to be. So I think it's fair to say that, they may not have been the number one option for Brian Flores, uh, but they could end up being the best option. We don't know how this is going to pan out. I know you have some, you know, some concerns about it, but uh, it's not like 
they, you know, they're like, all right, let's, let's run it back. Everything went so well last year under Chan. Let's not change a thing. And we forget that George Godsey was an offensive coordinator of his own for a while in the NFL. It's not like this guy is new to the position. Um, he, for about a year and a half, he was a Texans OC. So he's, he's learned from his mistakes there. He's gotten more information under new people he's worked with. Um, and, and, and so I, I, I do, it's not surprising that they would change some aspects, but if they really just torch the playbook and are starting from scratch, that would surprise me a bit. It, it would be surprising. I mean, it, 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 shocking would be to me. I mean, again, I, maybe I was, I, I'm going to look it up after this podcast is over to see if at any point anyone has talked about, because I think they have, and maybe I just imagined it in my in one of my many Dolphins win the Super Bowl dreams, that, hey, you know what? We we are going to keep the the baseline of Chan Gailey's offense together so that Tua Tungavailoa doesn't have to learn a whole new offense again. And so uh, it if Miles Gaskin is saying it is completely different, that kind of flies against the (laughs) (laughs) the whole baseline, keep together, Tua doesn't have to learn a whole new offense again. What was the name of the QB coach that that was not retained, that lost his job when he got COVID? Uh, Robbie Robbie Brown. Robbie Brown, yes. If you wanted to be a true true Twitter troll – you could compare the quarterback stats of the Miami Dolphins with Robbie Brown working with the quarterbacks as opposed to George Godsey. I mean, but I think a lot of that was Ryan Fitzpatrick was on the field when Robbie Brown was the QB coach. Um, I, I think that's correlation, not causation. But I do think Brian Flores liked the communication that Godsey had with, you know, with Tua. I think he liked that partnership. And I think that may, gave him – even if it wasn't his original plan, a level of comfort to go forward with Godsey in the co-role. Um, I think he, I think that he likes the way those two worked. And, and certainly, I mean, let's, let's be honest. By their actions, the coaching staff in 2020 didn't 1000% trust Tua. And Tua is a smart guy. He, he, he had to have been aware of that because he got benched twice, right? And it was check down city when he's, when he was in the game as opposed to opening up with fists. So maybe, you know, Godsey was his ally in a way that Chan Gailey wasn't. Again, this is us speculating, just putting together the pieces. But you could see how Flo would say, hey, uh, Tua, you, how you feel about Godsey? You trust him? Oh, yeah, I love the guy. All right, that's good information to have. That wouldn't surprise me if that conversation happened. You know, you mentioned uh, the trust factor. And to me, it was basically two guys. And it was uh, Flores, number one. Because he did, in fact, bench Tua twice. Mm-hmm. And it was Chan Gailey number two, because I believe that he believed if you ask him to throw too much, it's going to not go very well. It's going to turn poorly. And <laughs> honestly, um, you know, you mentioned the, the Kansas City game where they were behind and he had to throw. And Tua answered the bell in that game. But you know what game he threw the most in? The Buffalo Bills game. Absolutely. The finale against the Buffalo Bills. And God bless him, he threw for 361 yards. But the problem is 
more um, attempts also often equals more uh, risk. Yeah, those those yeah those are fraudulent stats. That 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 was that 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 total was not indicative of his level of play in that game. Correct, because he threw three interceptions, one of mm-hmm. two of which were his fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one, I think Devontae Parker just kind of either fell down or cut off a route or something like that. But the point is, that's why they didn't trust him. They didn't trust him because they thought if we unleash him, uh, the defense will be unleashed upon him. Uh, and in part, you know, that kind of bore out in the in the season finale. So, So I think we'll see what – at some point, one of those people – Godsey, Stoosville, you know, uh, they, they have to become Tua's like mind, his mm-hmm. conscience, his 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 alter ego, so to speak. May, maybe it's not one of those guys. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's Charlie Fry, who Tua just thinks like him, and and the coach thinks like Tua. And they become one, and there is trust. And suddenly it works because one feels the other, and they believe in each other. And that's how it's going to work. That's how it works when it really works elsewhere. I mean, obviously, in Buffalo, Josh Allen, he he buys Brian Dayball. I mean, they, they're, they're joined at the hip. Uh, for years, Tom Brady... And Josh McDaniel were joined at the hip. Uh, you know, it's obviously in Green Bay. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers not so joined at the hip. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I, yeah, I think his issue is more with the general manager than, than it is with, with LaFleur. But, yeah, I, I, I get your point. <laughs> uh, unless LaFleur is calling for a field goal instead of putting the ball in, in, in Aaron Rodgers' hands in a playoff game against Tampa. But, you know, the the point being, a young quarterback needs someone on the staff who just will will give a right arm for him if mm-hmm. he has to. And, by the way, one of my kids, too, mm-hmm. because you're my quarterback, and you're the most important person in the world to me. And so until the Dolphins, either Godsey or Charlie Fry – or Eric Stutzville become that guy, and my guess is it's going to be Godsey, if anyone, then something won't be right. It needs to happen. You, you mentioned the uh, 2020 uh, finale. We now know who the 2021 finale will be against, as well as the other 17 weeks of the regular season. Uh, they open and close with the Patriots, the NFL announced on Wednesday. Uh, what do you think of that? What do you think of how their schedule was laid out? Uh, another trip to London is on the docket. Uh, I know you're excited for that. Uh, what are your thoughts on the schedule? Uh, my thoughts are, and I think I mentioned this in passing last week, Bill Belichick will never win another Super Bowl again, ever. Uh, without Tom Brady. So mm-hmm. did I mention that last week? <laughs> you did. In fact, you yeah. made it the headline of the uh, of the story that we uh, that accompanied it. Well, I'm doubling down. How's that? Bill Belichick will never win a Super Bowl again without Tom Brady. And look, um, 
the schedule's not that hard. I mean, it, it could be worse. There's They don't play a playoff team three weeks in a row. The one thing that NFL coaches fear more than anything is three losses in a row. Mm-hmm. Because three losses in a row and your season is just about shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, two losses in a row you can withstand. It's not wonderful. It's not fun. But you can kind of – but when it gets into three in a row, it becomes – you know how they say you do something for a month, it becomes kind of like a habit? Mm-hmm. You lose almost for a month, that becomes a habit. And that's what football coaches fear more than anything. And luckily for the 2021 Dolphins, they don't have three teams in a row who made the playoffs last year, which, you know, is good for everybody. Yeah, so at New England and then home against the Bills, so just that was exactly the same as last year. Uh, I know you're looking forward to a trip to Vegas at Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Las Vegas at the Raiders. Uh, home against the Colts, who could be – we don't know what they'll have in Carson Wentz. Week five at the Champs, Tom Brady and the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, and then the trip to London. Uh, they, they, the Dolphins declined the week seven bye after, uh, that's what, that's what concerns me the most, to be honest. Armando has 13 consecutive games to open the season, including a trip to London with no bye after. In fact, they still have, have seven more games to go when they get back from London. If, if they, if, if the injury bug gets them early, they don't have a chance to, to get healthy. And, and that, you know, that, that to me, is concerning, um, but the good news is they don't really have. They're home for the entire holiday season. I mean, they're 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 their last road game from is week eleven until week seven, no, week sixteen. I'm sorry. So they go from like November twenty first to two days after Christmas at home. That's two really, days. That's really really good. Uh, particularly for yeah, particularly for those of us who like being home for the holidays and don't like cold weather. That is a good one two combo. Um, and then we don't know. We have no idea how the how good the Saints are, but that's you know they have road games against the Saints. The, it's the uh, Ryan Tannehill revenge game, Week 17 against the Titans in Nashville, and then they finish at home against the Patriots. So uh, yeah, I think the middle of their schedule is actually pretty soft. I mean this is this is their stretch uh, starting in Week Six: Jaguars in London, home against Falcons at the Bills, which will probably be a loss. Home against the Texans. Home against the Ravens, that'll probably be a loss. At the Jets, home against the Panthers, home against the Giants, bye, home against the Jets, and then at a Saints team, we don't know how good they'll be. I mean, they, they could conceivably lose just two games during that stretch and really set themselves up for, for, for a playoff run. If they lose two games early, they're going to be in the playoffs because uh, that is really uh, – I think what we've seen is under – Brian Flores, he does a great job of getting his team to play better late in the season. And mm-hmm. I know you're going to bring up the 30-point loss to Buffalo at the end of the season last year. I get it. That was very disappointing and very frustrating and vexing and annoying and other things, too, that end in ING. But hmm. what, what we've seen is – Typically, he gets his players playing better late than early. Um, and so uh, those two first two games, nah, <laughs> not loving those two first games. 
No, no, they're 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 definitely tough. I mean, the first month of the season is brutal, and I still th- I think the, I think the Raiders can be really good too. And you know, the Colts, the Buccaneers, that first five game stretch. Honestly, if they if, if three and two, they're going to the playoffs. But two and three, their their season's not dead by any stretch, and they and they can make a run because of so many winnable games over the next eight to ten weeks. I mean, it's 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 a, it's just a soft run. There'll be a team that we don't expect that'll be better that, that will, but there certain they could also be a team we expect to be good that won't. We you know that the Colts could stink this year. We just don't know. The Buccaneers could get old old in a in a hurry. I mean, they we don't. There's no guarantee that they'll have the same kind of performance that they had last year. And keep in mind that was a team that wasn't good until like the last month and a half of the season anyway. So uh, I think there's reason. For, I think there's reason for optimism. Um, but I do think that 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 13 weeks straight with a trip to line in the middle, um, injuries could really add up, and that's what concerns me. Uh, you know the story of like. Uh, whoever is so great that they can do things that no one else can do. There used to be this this game that you could play with Tim Tebow when he was kicking butt at Florida. Like mm-hmm. Tim Tebow could go to McDonald's and order a Whopper and get it. Um, so you were just talking, and before you started talking, your phone rang. My mother-in-law's phone, by the way. <laughs> I, I believe that was Tom Brady, who already knew before you uttered it that the Bucks were getting going to get old. He already knew that you were challenging him, and so the idea that Beasley is thinking that Tom Brady's team is going to get old—you've pissed off Tom Brady, bro. <laughs> He's calling I- you. I've been saying Tom Brady is going to get old for the last seven seasons, Armando. At some point, I'm going to be right, and maybe it's this year. Yeah, no, I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that that would be counter to what everybody else is saying, that what you said was absolutely correct. They played better late than they did early. Most people are expecting that to continue to carry over into Mm -hmm. this year. They were just getting warmed up, and now they're on full burn. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, you got anything else you want to leave the folks with today? No, I got, I got to get to the rink, man. It's almost hockey time. They don't have hockey in Cuba, Beasley. Uh, <laughs> uh, they also don't have food. They, they also don't have, like, freedom and liberty. But other than that, we're all good. We got all that in America, baby. USA. USA. We got it all. We appreciate you joining us on this week's edition of the Dolphins in Depth show. For star of the show, Adam Beasley, I am caddy of the show, Armando Salguero. We appreciate you joining us. Come back next week.